Welcome to the HR on the Offensive podcast, brought to you by Lace Partners. Hi, it's Chris Howard here from Lace Partners, and I'm joined by Annette Andrews and Aaron at Albury today for the HR on the Offensive podcast. Hi, guys. How are you doing? Good, thank you. Aaron, you good? I'm very good, Chris. Thanks very much. Despite the fact that you're stuck at home uh, again in your uh, in your flat and getting increasingly hotter, I'd imagine. Yes, I definitely think the summer heat is going to be one of those topics around well-being for us to talk about. Definitely. Lack of conditioning in the UK. Um, but yeah, no, it's uh, all good for now. Jolly good. Good to hear. And you mentioned it there, well-being, because that is what we wanted to talk about today. So today's podcast, I wanted to get some time with the both of you just to talk about this topic in particular. And it's a really interesting topic because with the current state of affairs as we are, with the UK being now confirmed as lockdown for another three weeks at the time of us recording this podcast, uh, well-being has been a topic which we've heard quite a lot about, isn't it, Aaron? I mean, we've run a couple of webinars and on both of the webinars, actually, in the questions that we've had, uh, we've had a couple of people asking about well-being. So what we wanted to do today was to get Annette on and I'll introduce, I'll, I'll get into Annette to introduce herself in a second and talk about her background and her experience, but just talk a little bit around well-being and some of the challenges HR teams are facing. But before we delve into those questions, uh, Annette, can you just give us a bit of background as to yourself um, and uh, your career today and tell our lovely listeners all about you? So a very brief insight into me. So Annette Andrews, I was until actually a few weeks ago to the end of March this year, the Chief People Officer at Lloyd's of London. That's the global insurance market. I'd been there five years fascinating role, global, multi aspects to it. Prior to that, I worked for Lloyd's Banking Group for six years, um, again, globally, and then prior to that, 18 years at Ford Motor Company. So different sectors, very varied career. And I was a bit surprised recently, I uh, received a certificate from the CIPD for 30 years as a member. So that gives you an insight. Wow. I know, it's a bit of a shocker receiving that. But yes, FCIPD and uh, recently just done my coaching and mediation accreditations as well. So from a personal interest perspective. So that, that's me, gives you a bit of an insight, yeah. very varied background. Yeah, so do you get a gold watch with your uh, certificate? Unfortunately not, but I got a beautiful certificate. So I've added it to the collection. Um, but yeah, that was a nice surprise to get through the post. <laughs> cool. Um <laughs> Well, I was just going to say, you know, Annette, I think, because the other th- other place that we've met, right, was at the HR Guild. Yes, that's true. Your, your membership there, and that's, um, you know, you're next up to be the master of the Guild, right? I met Aaron and another, you know, a, a lot of actually other senior HR professionals um, at the HR Guild. Again, been a member for five years, was one of the founding members. I'm currently the senior warden. Yeah. And... Um, Literally, Aaron, myself and others have really, I think, pulled together actually during this time, Aaron, in terms of what can the Guild do for our profession? Yeah. Well, that's, a really, that's a really good point, actually. And so let's talk about that. Before we go into well-being, let's talk about the Guild just very, very briefly. So can you just, both of you, just talk to me very, very quickly about what the Guild do and how they can actually help the profession? So there's a fascinating history to the Guilds, and I'll give you the brief 
summary, which is you probably all know that um, the City of London, with all the different professions that it has, actually many of them were founded in the original guild structure. And there's a few recently that have been created as modern guilds, and HR is one of them, nursing, entrepreneurs, IT are others. What that guild basically says, it's got and I'm sure Aaron will add to this, it's one, it's about fellowship, bringing professionals together to support one another. It's a a really valuable network. But also it's about giving back, giving back to your profession, giving back to the city, giving back to individuals. So charity work and pro bono as Mm. well. So still a very young guild, I would say, Aaron, still growing and developing. Uh, But actually really focusing now on how we can give back more and uh, give more to our members as well. Yeah. And, you know, you asked, you asked about how the profession, what it gives back to the profession. I think it's, 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 it's that point of bringing together experienced HR professionals who are at a point in their career where they can, they want to contribute back into the profession. Some of that's through charity, some of that's through pro bono, that some of that's for helping the more junior members of the, of the guild. Uh, and, and the guild is expanding uh, its membership out to include more more junior members as well, apprenticeships into into the guild. But it, you know, it's a fast, fascinating area. We we run a leadership development program there that is, I think, second to none for HR professionals because it's direct access between the people on that and people like Annette who have been at the you know top of their game as HR directors in the UK for uh, and, and beyond for a long time and able to then feed that back and, and coach and guide people. So doing some really interesting things. So I think in this time, you know, during COVID uh, and the restrictions, it's been a really great environment for people just to talk peer to peer in the profession and just share with each other in a non-commercial environment, a very non-conversional environment, how they're coping and what they're doing. Yeah. And I think that's, really really important isn't that ongoing communication at a time where communication is limited to the screens that we're seeing in front of us and family and friends that we're living with you know that kind of ongoing communication and peer-to-peer support is really really important so today's podcast is about well-being i don't know if you uh have the you want to fire the first question out into the uh into the virtual ether aaron um, and, sure. uh, and and let's get chatting about it then yeah, no, I think you, know, we, you mentioned it right at the start. We've been running our webinars um, and we ran the last one, which you can still access on our website, which is around um, the 12-step plan. Uh, and we focused on the uh, core set, which is around sustaining activities, which includes all sorts of things in there. But one of the major topics was well-being. And got, we've had a lot, of, a lot of interest in that space. Um, clearly, the, the changes in the ways people are working, um, the stressed environment that we all find ourselves in, the uncertainty levels, et cetera, do mean there's a lot of, does mean there's a lot of pressure on individuals. Um, and so uh, I think what we wanted to do today, um, Annette, was just really understand as, a, as, as a, an HR director, what a, you know, yourself and then what, what you're hearing from your peers around sort of the sort of typical challenges that well-being, uh, for well-being that's presenting itself right now. Yeah. Oh, it's a fascinating time, isn't it? Who, looking back, would have anticipated the rate of change that's happened to us all personally and professionally? So a couple of observations to you. Clearly, anybody who's listening will go, well, it's all right for you, Annette. You've left your HRD job at the end of March. A few people have said to me that was perfectly timed. Others have said, um, actually, Annette, 
I'm glad you're not on a roll anymore because I can just have a frank and open and discussion with you. And you've got the time to do that with me. So I've actually been talking to a lot of people and it comes back to that fellowship and support piece. My observations with BTE as follows, which is prior to this, I think well-being was going up the agenda for many organisations and people. But it still wasn't way there at the top. It was seen as a nice to have, a nice to use, but not really valued. I I think, and this is a personal view, that moving forward, well-being, and that's the offering that employers provide and the use individuals make of it, not just for themselves, but their family, will go way up the radar. And why is that? Because I think this is all brought home to us just how important it is to look after our, our own physical, mental, but also financial well-being, not just for ourselves, but for our families our teams and our employees more generally. So I think it's rocketed up in importance. Yeah, I think this is that's quite interesting, actually. If I take from my personal experience, I've almost seen it in previous companies that I've worked in as like a tick box exercise, if that makes sense. It's like, well, we've got this online portal and there's loads of stuff that you can get from it. And we've created it so that effectively we can have a little bullet in our employee, you know, handbook to say we have, uh, we have wellbeing support. And then you arrive on your first day and you get given this handbook or whatever it is. And then you look at that and maybe you get access to the portal and maybe on your first couple of days, you might have a quick check at some of the activities that are there, but then you don't really bother doing anything after that that's just my personal experience and so perhaps you're right there perhaps there's something in that where you've got individuals that are now thinking actually I'm going to take this a little bit more seriously so employees saying I'm going to take this a little bit more seriously and then perhaps that's going to force businesses to say well actually it's not it's no longer a case of should we just get some sort of bolt-on portal and then use that as a as a, a as another bullet point in the reasons to join us I think it's going to be at the heart of that psychological relationship going before going forward. So, so again, observations from talking to people, we have all been given an hour where we can physically go out and get some exercise. But how important is that hour to us now? One, exercise is incredibly important for you. But what that means to each of us individually. Yeah, that's uh, a great point. I really value it. But also I'm one of those people that my exercise is walking to and from the office every day. Yeah. Whereas now I value it a lot more because it's reflection time, time out, et cetera. But that's true of everybody. I, I regard myself as incredibly lucky. I've got a small garden, but there's a lot of people living in flats, shared accommodation, et cetera, where they're getting out for a day is incredibly value, not just from the physical exercise but from a mental perspective mm. as well and i think uh, that was where i was going to ask you the next question which was because you mentioned it right and I, when we think about well-being there's there's the physical aspect to well-being mm. there's the mental aspect there's also the financial and i think one of the interesting things around this time is the fact that the situation we find ourselves in has brought all three of those to the front yeah. for, a, for a lot of people all in one go yeah. You may be on furlough, so you may be worried and concerned about financials. You're in isolation, as you say. You may not have the access to outside space. I was talking to a, um, a client this morning, an HR director, who has realized that you know quite a number of their employees um, have, because of the de- demographic, shared rooms 
in yeah. flats. Yeah. Right? And they're, they're expecting them to try and do homeworking in an environment that's really difficult and stressful to try and operate and work in. And then you've just got the physical aspect. And I think there's some really interesting articles been written recently around the whole um, potential challenge that comes from people working in environments with laptops, desks, et cetera, that are not fit for purpose. Mm. What's the longer term physical challenge for people? And I think it's the, the coming together of all three of those at one point that makes this, as you say, the reason why well-being will just, I think, step up yeah. in, in people's focus. And I think it'd be an ask in future. People will absolutely want to know what mm. the well-being package support is for them as individuals. I'll tell you who I worry about at the moment is people that don't have a big organisation providing that support. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Organisations or individuals who are self-employed, where do they go for that? So I think there is an opportunity moving forward for maybe some of those big providers of these services to think about individual packages as well. So I'm, I'm the eternal optimist. Mm. There is all, always a uh, an opportunity, and I do think going forward you will see individuals looking for this type of support for themselves and their families as well. I don't know if you've come across this, Annette. I heard um, the other day of a, of a couple of organisations who've gone back through their well-being offerings and looked at some of the things that were in there around, say, gyms, for example, yeah. and gone for the foreseeable future. That's just not relevant. And then have, have, have refocused their offerings on things um, and taken that money and then included for their for their for their employees more around sort of family mm-hmm. or more sort of maybe well-being, um, more on the EA and um, the uh, employee advisory side of things. Have you come across things like that? People are definitely starting to talk about it mm-hmm. and to think about what should be the future offering. I think some of the more forward thinking have already done that. Yeah. I I would like to think, here's a here's an idea. What do you think? I think in future, maybe well-being and the offering you want becomes a bit like your flex Ben and you choose your elements. Mm. And then you could tailor it for yeah. your own circumstances. And maybe this this is a life event, which should be an opportunity for you to change how you structure that yep. benefit moving forward. But definitely it's not going to be, Chris, you sort of said the the standard approach that you just get on arrival is absolutely the approach that majority take. I Personally, I don't think that is going to work anymore. No, I think you're spot on, definitely. I think my biggest thought at the moment is, you know, initially a few weeks ago it was crisis management. Let's get everybody so they can work from home or not work from home, give them the support they need. But that was emergency let's put it in place we're now into this is the new norm i'm starting to see and i'm sure you both are as well when i talk to people they're they're fraying a little bit at the edges because this is going on a bit long for them to live in those difficult circumstances or deal with those circumstances so actually i think employers can put additional aspects in place now that they haven't thought about before Mm. how many of the companies and the HR professionals and colleagues and friends that you've got, how many of those businesses are planning effectively for? So, as you said, we've got we've had the crisis management bit, but we're getting to the we're going to get to the point because this is such a short, sharp, deep cut in terms of productivity. And then hopefully, if you listen to what the government and various economists are telling you, the recovery should. All right, it'll take longer to get full recovery, but to get back up to levels of productivity, it should 
be a bit quicker. How many, with that in mind, how many HR teams or businesses are effectively planning at the moment? Or do you think this is the biggest weakness? Um, I mean, Aaron can comment as well. But from my perspective, they are just coming out of the crisis management bit. They're into the, well, this is the new norm. And they're starting to hear and react to immediate needs. There is the less, much less planning on the longer term bit yet. I think that needs to start happening now or they won't be ready. I'd second that, Chris. I, I, I think a lot of people are dealing with the, the current transition. And, and it's interesting. I was talking uh, with an HR director this morning and you know we haven't been in that transition period long enough even for things like disciplinary and grievances to start yeah. coming through, right? No. But, and I know we're starting to, they're starting to see yeah. some of that, right? We have people not turning up for meetings or not on time and how do you handle that? What's the circumstance? And you know, we haven't even had time really for that to happen. That we need to we need to go through and see how that will work. But you know, therefore, I think you know, every time we talk about what's coming next, there is there is an appetite for more discussion. And best case, we're talking about a transition to new in three weeks. Mm. Now, most of us think that's not going to happen, or it's going to happen in a very phased way. But as an HR director, you've got to start thinking about what does that phase look like. So, and I know we're going to try and cover that in some of our uh, our future webinars. Uh, in fact, I think we've got one coming up soon, or we we're recording one, uh, which will cover exactly exactly that topic. Um, I would I would like to bring us back just to the well-being, if I can, for a second, and yep. just and I think we've talked a lot about sort of the breadth of well-being, physical, mental, financial impacts, um, and clearly everyone is feeling that in a slightly different way. But I think leadership right now, line managers, executives. They're probably operating, if, if, if not in a very adrenaline-driven way, yeah. they're definitely operating at a pace that they weren't operating at six weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, what, what's your thoughts on sort of the well-being challenges for exec and line managers? Gosh, it's an interesting time, isn't it? So observations I'd make to you is people have worked incredibly hard at pace under considerable pressure, yeah. also while managing their own personal lives and circumstances as mm. well, which... I have to say, for many, is incredibly challenging with kids at home or, you know, trying to live in shared accommodation, etc. So challenges I've seen for individuals that, you know, they're quite openly talking about, to be honest, are inability to switch off or productivity being a challenge. You know, they're not being able to just switch back on when they need to because mm-hmm. there's demands on their time and family. Productivity. Uh, i.e. their ability to concentrate and being 100% in the moment are being challenged. And even concerns about not sleeping properly, which could be related to stress, uh, et cetera, as well. So I think there's there's a lot happening. I'm starting to hear concerns about behaviour on Zoom calls, for example, or in emails, which just that anger or frustration coming through as well, which we'll, we know is not acceptable but will ultimately lead up with other issues. So I think there are specific needs for the leadership and management. It is down to HR teams and even more senior leaders to look at what that is. I do think coaching, counselling, really some guidance on how to lead remotely, because we just don't have that skill set in many organisations. But also the importance of role modeling behavior and recognizing the impact that you can have on individuals with emails, um, calls, et cetera, in what is difficult in times for everybody. 
as well. So I think there are some very specific needs. And perhaps, Chris, picking up on your point, you know, is, is this about a change package going forward? Perhaps it's a changed well-being package for leadership and managers. And I think going forward, we need to do more about building that into the development of our future managers and leaders. Because mm. well, this is going to happen again. I'm sorry, but if you listen to all the news, etc., this is not a one-off incident. You know, this could happen again in the short term, but we need to plan for the medium to long term as well. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that we talk about as well is this idea of how were your, you know, your break glass in case of emergency plans. Yeah. How how effective were they? And if they weren't effective, what are you going to do next time? Yeah. And the trick with those, isn't it, is revisit them before it's too late and you've forgotten all the stuff. Exactly. Yeah, definitely. And, I, and then the line manager piece is really interesting. And in you know, been a long debate going on uh, in HR about the requirement for line managers to be better talent managers, et cetera, and then and the, and the acceptance that there is more coaching requirement needed for most line managers in most organizations. And this, this time is putting all of that under real stress. And I my my sense, Annette, is that as as we come through this, one of that will be one of the biggest lessons learned is how do you prepare line managers to manage remotely, how to deal with the stress, to take into context the other person's circumstances, part of managing that. And the and we've talked we talk about this quite often, you know, that they are the face of the culture of the organization for most organizations. And if, they, if they're under stress and they're not performing in a way that is culturally aligned to how you want to treat your employees, you're going to have a real damaging effect. And I think, therefore, that support for them will come right to the front again as a conversation. I don't know if you have a similar view. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And I've, I have a, a very strong view that one of the best skills you can help a leader or a manager with, with is coaching. Because that's what they are. They are talent coaches. 100%. Um, I've got a colleague, a friend of mine, one of my best mates, actually, who I spoke to him on Friday. So we are recording this as of Monday. So two days ago, uh, three days ago. And he said to me that he still hasn't even had a face-to-face Teams, Zoom, whatever it is, with his line manager since he's been in lockdown. I mean, if you're talking about the face of the organization, so he's spoken to other people, he's spoken to other colleagues, he's spoken to other teams, he's spoken to senior people, more junior people, but his own line manager, he hasn't had that interaction with. And that reflects terribly on that organization. And he's already talking about it to me and saying, how often do you speak to your boss? And I'm saying, well, Aaron phones me three, four times a day. So, you know, (laughs) I talk to him all the time, but it's, it's exactly what he's saying. It's, they are the face of the organization. It's also about engagement, isn't it, as well? Because even if your employees are on furlough or, you know, they're on maternity leave or whatever it might be, it's about keeping that engagement with your employees. And I think it's about using multiple different touch points because different things work with different people, don't they? But it's making sure that that person feels valued and supported, whether it's a text, an email or, or a Zoom. But um, I, I suspect your friend is not alone in that experience, mm. fortunately. Fortunately. Um, one other area we haven't talked about, I mean, we've talked about well-being more generally. We've talked about executive leadership, line managers, and the impacts on them. Um, the other group, I think, that clearly is um, right in the heart of this is the HR function itself. And I know there's something as the Guild we talk about, um, you know, that support. And... HR is a funny organization. It is very much a cobbler's children yeah. organization. It is one of the last places where they, you know, they look to themselves to fix. But 
my sense is that every HR director I've talked to is in just a fury of of activity right now, mm. optional, strategic, as you say, coaching executives in line, acting as the vent for the exec at the same time as operationally managing either employee bases or unions and so yeah. on. Yeah. It, everything is coming together at once around that, that group of people. My sense is that that's a focal point that shouldn't be forgotten. No, gosh, you're absolutely right. And isn't it ironic that we still always look to support our customer groups and our businesses and don't look after ourselves? Yeah. Uh, that is yeah. just Who's so- looking after HR? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And I think, Aaron, you and I started to talk about this because I wrote a little article for People Management, didn't I, saying that HR need to look after their own well-being in these times. So I don't think HR are very good at looking after themselves in any way from a well-being or a development perspective. But I think something that HRDs can do and HR teams can do is to maybe just pause now as we're in that new norm, that transition period, and just say, actually, what about ourselves? What does our organization need? Do we have the right skill sets, experiences in the team to be able to provide that? And start thinking about the well-being strategy for the future, how it's going to be put in place. How's development going to change for our leaders and start putting that in place? But again, we're not very good at pausing and doing that, are we? Uh, and I think there'll be members of HR functions who, you know, like our own organization, have never been through a recession this is the first time they'll be experiencing this. And, and for a lot of them, in what would have been really successful businesses, it'll be the first time that they'll be experiencing having to have difficult conversations with employees and supporting line managers through difficult conversations. And you know, it's, it's, it's not going to be a one-off. It's a continual stream right now for, for people. So that you know, the impact on individuals in that HR function who are less experienced, I think, is quite extreme. And you're right. This is only the beginning. Mm. As we come through the other side and the lockdown is gradually phased, et cetera, there is going to be businesses that don't survive, businesses that need restructuring, and there are going to be organized. They, it, it, there might be M&A activity going on as well. And it's interesting. So I think sometimes sometimes stress comes into the equation for you when you don't feel you have the right skills to do the job. Mm. right? And, and I think a number of HR professionals will be feeling that right now. They're entering into periods of time and activities that are really pushing them beyond their, their comfort zones and what they learn. And I think your, your point earlier was really well made, which is take time, pause, look at the skills you need, get ahead of it, start training up some of your teams in those skills so that you can cope through what will be, as you say, a, you know, un, almost undoubtedly for most organizations, a period of restructure. Mm. And it's yeah. really hard, isn't it, to invest in a time of uncertainty and potential financial constraint but actually that investment in your hr team or leadership development for example it will be critical yeah so i mean we're just coming towards the end of the uh the podcast now but just before we wrap up actually what i wanted to do in is just because we've talked about a few different things here we've talked about you know who's going to look after hr as, as one of the, the, the topics, you know, what are the typical types of challenges that we're t- starting to see at the moment? And and this idea, I love the idea and I've heard it um, a couple of times actually around, you know, the flexing, the types of benefits that you get depending on, you know, the individual and stuff like that. Um, if there was one, if I was to ask you just to give our listeners just one piece of advice, one sort of nugget that you'd like them to take away in terms of well-being, something to think about, um, what what would that be? Was there anything in particular from what we've discussed today that you think is one of the most important things for a HR director to be thinking about right now? I'm going to be mischievous because I always am. Two things. Go on, then. Look after you. 
because if you look after you, you'll be able to look after everything, everybody else and your organisation. And that is just a case of stop, breathe, 24 hours, um, just reflect. And then the other piece is start planning now for what next. Because mm-hmm. it will come very quickly, even though we don't know exactly when, but it will suddenly be here and we won't be ready. No, that's brilliant. Um, Annette, thank you for that very much for joining us on the HR on the Offensive podcast today. Um, Aaron, thank you for firing some of those questions. Um, we'd love to get you on again at some stage, hopefully when all of this, uh, the new normal has uh, has evolved and we can start talking about different subjects. But um, thanks for joining us, Annette. Thank you very much.